Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. This is David Law here. You might have thought that I wasn't going to be on the podcast this week because I kept telling you I wasn't, didn't I? Because I'm the media director here at the Fever Tree Championships and I sit alongside the tournament director inside his office overlooking centre court. It is quarter to 11 at night after another fantastic day of tennis. And we're going to start this edition of the Tennis Podcast with a quick quiz. Why am I on the tennis podcast? Is it because we want to give the tennis public what they want? Is it because I hate not being the centre of attention? Or is it, C, we messed up the recording earlier like fools? Answer at the end, but meanwhile, your presenting team tonight sound like a solicitor's firm because it's Law and Farrow. I'm David Law. Here is the tournament director, Stephen Farrow. How's the day gone, generally, Stephen? It's been rather better than our recording first take. Hopefully this one's better. It has been a great day, um, and um, it was capped off tonight by the fact that there were a few uh, drops of rain that began to fall around centre court at the beginning of the Leighton Hewitt match. There were big dark clouds overhead, and somehow those dark clouds swerved round the Queen's Club. Well done on that. It was terrific, and we managed to have um, managed to complete the match, and eventually the sunshine appeared, and Leighton Hewitt and Nick Kyrgios won through in a sensational uh, tiebreak at the end of that doubles match in front of about 5,000 people still on our centre court. So it was a fantastic day. It was good, isn't it? We try to be as objective as we can, don't we? I mean, we are, really. We, we, we're, we're trying to put on a great tournament. We, we like all the players. I mean, they, they, most of them are good lads. But Leighton Hewitt, I think... Well, we have a, a soft spot for him, really, don't we? I mean, not only within the tournament, but just because of what he means, really. I mean, he's been doing this for 20 years, and seeing him... I mean, I know Pierre Ugebert and Nicola Mahou are great guys, but seeing Hewitt win alongside Kyrgios tonight was pretty special. Yeah, I mean, it's an irresistible partnership, those two. And, and you know, you and I, David, spoke at the time when we were approached by Leighton about 
about having a wildcard into the tournament this year, and I don't think either of us could resist it because the idea of seeing Leighton back out on centre court and and the fact we were able to put him on centre court today was so special. And when he was introduced to the crowd and seeing him back out there fighting hard for every point, fist pumping every time they won a point, I mean it was it was something else. And as you say, I mean we love Pierre Hugues and, and Nico. I mean they are two time champions. I mean they are two of our very favourite players who play this event, but. It, seeing uh, seeing Leighton out there again was sensational. It really was, and and the atmosphere was really special. And he got a wild card today for the Wimbledon doubles. He can't stop. No. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, of course, as you know, back in 2015, I presented Leighton with a trophy um, um, because that was the year he was retiring out there on centre court, and it was a really emotional occasion. And we we were talking about Leighton's final match at Queens, where he'd won the singles title here four times, and. Here he is again three years later, and he's playing really, really well. I mean, the level that he and Nick reached today. I mean, they were beating the French Open champions. I mean, Urbain Mahou are a fantastic doubles partnership. As I say, they've won here twice, and they were Leighton and Nick playing together so well. And, um, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, you know, for Leighton Hewitt, such an arch competitor, the idea that he's somehow going through the motions or just coming out just because he sort of fancies having a hit couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, the guy's there because he can still play at a really high level, and we saw that tonight. Yeah, we sure did. The day started, that was the end of the day. This day started with a win for Francis Tiafo of the United States, three-set win over Leonardo Mayer of Argentina. Tiafo, we're going to hear from a little bit later, had a really good chat with Gigi Salmon here on the tennis podcast quite quite funny as well um so marking your card there we'll talk about that later but tfo this was this was a big deal for him wasn't it because you know we've we've heard a lot of chat about him he's what 20 years of age a lot of people have 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 said this guy could be really good but now he's in the quarterfinals for the first time on on a sort of surface and stage quite like this one yeah and, and it's really good to see him do so well because i think this is the third time he's played the tournament Last year, he lost first round of qualifying. I think it was to Liam Brody. Um, and, and to be honest, it, last year, it looked like he was struggling a bit on the surface. And, and I, di- I did wonder at the time, I saw quite a bit of that match last year, whether he would ever be able to really show his talent on grass. Because we've seen him show that, you know, he can win big matches on, in big tournaments over the past sort of years, 18 months or so. Um, and, and compete at the US Open like, like he did last September. Um, and so it was, it was great to see him out there for the first time on our centre court uh, winning a big match. I mean, he is, he's, you know, he's a good guy. He's lots of fun. Um, and he always, he always has been. I mean, he's certainly something very different. I mean, you know, I'm sure um, your listeners know about his sort of sensational backstory and all the rest. And you'll be hearing about that in the show, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he is a great guy. He's lots of fun to have around. And I was really pleased for him because, like I say, he's not shown his best form here. Um, uh, but he's a talented guy. Um, and um, that was a great result for him today because Mayer's no mug, that's for sure. No, and uh, his countryman, Sam Query, a champion here in 2010, then went on to get a win over Stan Varinka, three-time Grand Slam champion. That was close. They split the first two sets, really two close sets. And then, well, then Stan got very upset at the start of the third set. Um, he ended up getting beaten 6-1 in that final set, Sam Query coming through. And then after that, Marin Cilic got a three-set win over Gilles Muller. Basically, he always does that, doesn't he? He always loses the first set, does Cilic, against Muller and comes back to win. Yeah, he does. I mean, I, I have to say, I, I did expect Marin to come through that match today in pretty much how it worked out. 
Um, Marin's Marin's bang on form. He really is. I mean, he looked really good first round. He looked he looked good again today. Obviously, in the in the second and the third sets, he seems in very good spirits. He obviously did so well here last year. He did so well at Wimbledon last year, and and actually the way he's playing is like he was playing this time last year when he sort of effortlessly moved through the draw. Um, he's looking very ominous in the top half of that draw. I mean, he's really good form, really good grass court player. And, you know, beating Gilles Muller here is, is quite a feat. I mean, you know, Gilles obviously beat Denis Shapovalov in the first round, always plays well here. Um, and, yeah, Marin's looking very good. Yeah, he sure is. So, I mentioned uh, all the centre court matches there. There was also another one on court number one with Daniel Medvedev going down against Jeremy Shardy. He's in unreal form, isn't he? Because didn't he win in Surbiton not so long ago? He won in Surbiton, and then I think he got to the final in Hertogenbosch. Um, I saw the end of that match actually, and he's playing really well. I mean, he's a talented player, isn't he? I mean, he won he won Junior Wimbledon, I think, when he was younger. Um, he's a good grass court player. Um, but the last few years here, he's been in qualifying. And actually, Jeremy, he's a good guy. He, he always used to talk about Queen's as his favourite tennis tournament, but the tournament at which he'd never won a match. And last year, he actually won through qualifying. And I remember it was like a cause for great celebration. I remember Vicky came in this office, didn't he? He was like, I won one. He did, he did. He was so excited that he'd finally won a match at, at, at Queen's Club. And then, of course, this year, I mean, you know, he's, Medvedev, is, Medvedev is solid. I mean, quarterfinalist last year, very good on this surface. Um, and Jeremy was playing really, really well. And, of course, he is a local lad. He now lives in Parsons Green, just down the road, um, and is uh, probably our, our local champion to this event. So can we kind of claim him or...? I think we'll definitely claim him. Right, OK, that's done. Uh, so, I mentioned Francis TFO. He beat Leonardo Meyer to reach his first ever grass court quarterfinal. Now... Here he is with Gigi Salmon, and I have to mark your card here. She lost the clip that holds her microphone, and she had to gaffer tape it onto her dress to stop it falling off in the middle of the interview. So if in case you wonder why they all burst into hysterics halfway through, that's why. Gigi and Francis Tierfo. Francis, firstly, congratulations. Your first grass court quarterfinal. How does it feel? It was good, um, especially in a 500 event. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's tough throughout this week. Um, so, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, in events like this, you kind of just get matches before, before Wimbledon, and you don't know how deep you can go because the level's so high, and uh, it's good to get a couple matches under my belt, and I'm feeling pretty good out here. How tough is it to move from the clay to the grass and, and adapt the game? Because just as a spectator, it looks, it looks almost impossible to do what you're doing on the clay and then change it to the grass. Yeah, yeah, that, I was lucky enough to have a couple, you know, two weeks of, of practice, um, first couple of days was, was not my best um, but yeah you know now 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 it's pretty good you know now I feel so it's mainly just the footing um, it's, it's hard you know you can't you can't quite you know push it off as normal as you as you want but um, yeah I mean I'm starting to really like the grass. And what an experience and what a tournament this tournament especially because the field is so strong everywhere you look there are challenges to face. Yeah exactly yeah I mean there's, there's no there's no easy easy match at all and I think it's good, and everyone likes coming to Queen. It's such a good event. The history is great. Um, you know, so many legends of our sport have won this event, and um, yeah, it's just an honor even being in the draw. Is it? Now you're 20 years of age now. Something you're involved in are the next gen finals. It was the first year last year. How has that changed things for you? Because it, it feels, from our point of view, that more people are talking about the younger guys, and we're, we're sort of getting to know you a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, the younger guys are, for whatever reason, playing extremely well right now. Last couple of years. Um, and it's good to see, you know, the game's been slowly evolving and 
um, you know, guys are guys are believing. You know, you have one guy who goes deep. You know, you're gonna have another guy go even deeper the following week, and and so on and so forth. So, I think it's good to be a part of it. Um, a new a new crop of guys, a new. So so we'll see. You know, hopefully, uh, we just keep going. We talk about the younger guys, we're finding out about them, and when I hear your name, we talk about the game, but we talk about coming through into the game. What is your first memory of playing tennis, being around tennis? Yeah, I mean, just, just being about, you know, three years old and, and tapping a ball against the wall. You know, I, I remember that almost every day. I think about it all the time. It's, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy to think I'm, I'm even doing half the things I'm doing right now. Um, you know, never thought it was going to go this far. Couldn't be more happy that it did, but um, yeah, this definitely wasn't the goal in, 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 in the early stages, but here, here I am. But you were in a situation where you almost couldn't get away from tennis, this incredible story about your parents coming over from Sierra Leone and your father working at a tennis centre, so really every morning you open the door and they were the tennis courts. Exactly, exactly, and that's what it was, and that's that's all we knew, you know, it was, it was no it was, it was no about it, you know, you, you're going to get out there, you're going to play some tennis, and Mm, yeah, I mean, me and my brother, we enjoyed it. It's going to be part of our life forever, is it? And uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm really, really excited. <laughs> is, oh, my God. I think, what's so funny about his upbringing in tennis courts? Hang on. <laughs> Right. If you can just hold it. Can I just still, hold yeah, it? Yeah, just don't laugh because it's extremely weird. We hold this up. Oh, Francis, cool. I apologise. Cool. <laughs> a lot of people talk about um, parents when they're growing up, they take them to tennis, they take them to soccer, they take them to whatever. I know your father was there, but was he encouraging you to play tennis? Was he saying, Francis, get out there, use a racket, or was it your own choice? Nah, he didn't have to do anything. He was kind of just there <laughs> you know it wasn't it wasn't anything you know him stressing really you know he he said you know i'm, I'm giving y'all the opportunities it's, it's i'm not gonna push you if you don't want to do it that's, that's cool but you know it, it's here if you want it so um you know him being nonchalant about it you know kind of made us both want it <laughs> you know um it was kind of just i felt like you know that that he would bring up you know constantly if we didn't you know so uh yeah i'm 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 really happy that I that I went full force with it. And what was his role at the tennis center? He's a maintenance worker. He's actually one of the um, people who helped build the academy, um, literally. <laughs> so, yeah. So it opened in '99, and and uh, in 2001, you know, he kind of came over. So. And your mother was was working very very hard at the time. So there was a situation where you were actually sleeping, living, staying at the tennis center. Exactly. Exactly. We just went. Numerous nights, almost like three three times in a week, probably, um, and it, you know, it worked out for my mom great because obviously she's you know working through the nights and um, it would just it would just be me and my bro, three years old in the house alone. So I don't think that's a, a good recipe. So yeah, I mean it, it, it couldn't have worked out any better. Um, and I, th- I think they did an unbelievable job. You talked about hitting against the wall, but I always imagine the great thing about having a twin is that you've got a playmate there. So Yeah, th- that's, at that time, I don't think our level was good enough to, t- to play against each other at three years old. But, yeah, no, we played with each other a ton. Yeah, obviously, when we started being able to play, you know, with the normal net and, and starting to hit from the baseline and hit spin and all that, we had a ton of fun playing with each other back and forth. He had arguments, he, you know, running after each other, getting pissed off, you know how that goes. 
Um, so, so yeah, it, it was it was definitely a good time. And turn in for your tennis roots with Franklin. How how did that go? Were you always was it the same goal for you both be professional tennis players? Did he have different ideas? How did that work in the household? Uh, I mean, we, we both we both had it. I mean, he had a uh, you know different different ideas at times, which uh, you know he you know he's he's definitely. The, the adventure type, you know, like to you know do a different a bunch of different things. I, I kind of, you know, locked in. I had one focus, and that was pretty much it. Um, but it, I mean, he's he's doing just just fine. You know, he's currently played some futures with a good friend of mine, and and uh, and he's going to game of tennis, which matters. And yeah, I mean, no Talk, complaints at all. You talked about another of those early memories: your parents dressing you the same and sending you to school. How did that go down? <laughs> nah, we, we, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was funny, man. We we would joke around. Um, we're not identical, but still, I mean, we joke around and, and change each other's names and and do all, and do all that fun stuff. Oh, so. did you? So you pretended you were the other? Yeah, yeah, we do that all the time. So did you get into cool. trouble? Here and there, but you take a beating. It's all good. So now we had, we had a ton of fun as kids. Definitely. Now we have a final test for you here. I'm going to hand you this jar here, Francis. Perfect. You're going to pull out some sticks, read the question, and then give us your. Your best answer. You are allowed to pass if there's something you think I can't answer that. Okay. Okay. So what? What's the first one? What's the best thing about being a man? <laughs> it's All a right. good. It's a good one, isn't it? Um. Are you not answer that? <laughs> uh, I don't know you. Hope to wear the pants in your relationship. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, it's uh, fair enough. Uh, right, should I try another one? I don't think they're all as hard as that. Yeah, that was actually pretty Is that quite a hard one to start with? Um, what were you saying at karaoke? Do it. Oh, God. Um, Are you a karaoke man? Do you sing? I mean, in the showers, it does, yo. So what would you sing in the shower? <laughs> um... <laughs> I I don't know, like you know rap songs or maybe you know if I'm feeling the type of way maybe it's a slow love song. You sing a love <laughs> you <know>? song in the shower. Yeah, depends depends on the moment. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's a, a yeah. love song in the shower. I think yeah, that's, exactly. I think that's quite nice. Right, let's do one more. Yeah, one more. I won't make you sing. No, okay. I was getting nervous there for a What habit do you find most annoying? Maybe it's something your brother does. When you were growing up, you were like, oh, seriously, Franklin, stop it. Um, God, there's a lot of things he does. Probably <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, when, in tardiness, probably, like he'd be the type of guy, like, we're all ready to go. And he, he's forcing everybody to go, and then we're all ready to go. And he'd be like, oh, wait, but hold on, I, I got to get in the shower right now. That's just drive me nuts. So are you yeah. very punctual? No, no, I'm pretty bad as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, but he's just worse, so, so that makes it. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm always late usually. So it's difficult yeah. getting the TFO brothers out the house. Exactly. Yeah, very, very tough. Yeah, <laughs> Full time job. Sure. Francis, it's been a pleasure. Hope you're on time for your your quarterfinal match. <laughs> it's, been, <laughs> it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So Francis TFO, Gigi Salmon, and a gaffer taped microphone there.
Francis plays Jeremy Shardy in the next round. Now, on to tomorrow, Stephen. We have another packed order of play, and it starts with some doubles. I mean, it's, in a way, it's, it's not for the nicest reason, because Milos Raonic was forced to pull out uh, of the tournament with, with injury. He hurt his pectoral muscle uh, when he was serving against Yuki Bambri, and he's, he's had to have some, some treatment and scans on that. So what it does mean, though, is we get some top-draw doubles first up. Who's playing? We do. Um, we get to see uh, Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez against Kulhoff and Daniel, who obviously came in as our lucky losers um, uh, uh, today um, and then beat Novak Djokovic and Stan Wawrinka um, out on court one. Um, and you know, Jamie and Bruno won the title last year. Um, and so it'd be great to see them out on centre court. Um, as you say, it's sad that Milos had to pull out. I mean, he was looking very good. Obviously, he did well in Stuttgart. Last week, I mean, I would have said he was one of, sort of my favourites to, to do really well here last year where he's done so well in the past. But, you know, putting Jamie Murray on centre court is something that's going to be very good for very good for our crowd and, you know, to see our champions back out there. And they came through a tight match. I mean, that first round match against Manorino and Martin, it was quite late in the day, the other day on court one. And they squeaked through, really, in the champions tiebreak. And there's obviously more to come from them in this competition. Yeah, uh, and that's right. We then have Kyle Edmund in action, uh, the great British number one, uh, and he's got Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> Kyrgios is just taking on the Brits, basically, here at the Fever Tree Championships. That is going to be electric, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nick was brilliant in the doubles earlier on today. I mean, he was. It's like the shackles have come off, isn't it? Yeah, he was really on his game playing alongside Leighton, and uh, it would be it'd be very exciting to see what he does out there tomorrow. But Carl was so impressive the other night. I mean, he had to wait a long time to play that match against Ryan Harrison. I mean, you know, all the matches before him on Tuesday went on so long, and it was easily a a match that he might have lost. I mean, having Ryan Harrison, a good grass court player, very solid, good server and playing out there on centre court when it's quite late in the day you know I, 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 was, I was concerned that might be a tough match for him but he came through so confidently and actually seeing the way he clinched that match it, was, uh, it showed a level of maturity which shows his development because you know a year ago first round against Denis Shapovalov he, he was in a, a winning position um, and he ended up ended up losing it on his serve. He was broken on his serve and ended up going out. And I think it showed real development the way he was so he was so confident and professional in closing out that match. So who knows tomorrow? I mean, you know, cars cars look good. I mean, he was the first player to arrive here for practice, which was over a week ago now. Um, so he's had plenty of time out there in the practice court. So it's a very, very good match in prospect. Uh, and you've then got the uh, small matter of Novak Djokovic against Grigor Dimitrov in the second round. I mean, it is stacked. What? What? You, uh, I think the six, it's six-one the head-to-head between Djokovic and Dimitrov. But I suppose if any surface Dimitrov is going to fancy his chances on, it might be this one. I mean, Djokovic has won three Wimbledon, so he obviously knows what he's doing. But Dimitrov's comfortable on it too. Yeah, yeah, of course he is. And of course, he's had such great success here. And, and I, I suppose what's what's interesting here is that Grigor is such a favourite at Queen's um, and he's had such consistent success here. Um, I mean, obviously, he's only won the title once, but, he, he you know, he's, he's he's always played good tennis at Queen's. Um, so it's almost like a home court for him. Um, so it will be interesting. I mean... Look, he um, he he, uh, he did okay first round. I mean, Novak was pretty imperious against John Millman, and obviously we know that Novak at his very best on grass is very very difficult to to, to compete against. He looks but. happy here, doesn't he, Djokovic? I mean, like, he seems to be just 
seeing him around, he seems pretty comfortable in his own skin at the moment here. Yeah, he's very relaxed. I mean, I've never met him before because obviously he's not played this event for, for eight years. Um, and um, he's very relaxed. I mean, you know, you and I both saw him watching the football in the player lounge the other day. I mean, he's clearly someone who gets on very well with the other players. He... Funniest celebration I've seen all week of a goal. He basically just got up and sprinted around the player lounge, which is pretty sizable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was some moment. And both he and his team seem to really enjoy it here. And he's been, he's been good to deal with. Very positive. And as I say, when he was out there on court the other day, it was really exciting because there's someone who I've, I've always wanted to come and play this event. Um, he is, he is, you know, twelve Grand Slam titles. Um, you know, he's one of the, the best players ever to play play the game. And it was really exciting to see him out there on court the other day. Um, and it'd be really exciting to see how he does against Grigor. I mean, that is an absolutely terrific match. It really is. And I'm really proud that's on the order of play tomorrow. Yeah. And now there's one more match, fourth match of the day. What we got there? We've got Julian Benito against Adrian Manorino. Benito, who's rivaling Leighton Hewitt for the I'm Never Gonna Retire award. Yeah, because yeah, he was meant to retire last year, wasn't he? And, and actually, I'm pretty sure after the doubles final, when they, when, um, when he, when they lost to uh, Murray and Suarez, I'm pretty sure he said it was going to be his last year, didn't he? I, I think you did the interview, and I'm pretty sure he said that. So I don't think we expected him, expect him to be back. But, you know, he got through in three-setter against Thomas Burditch. Um, he again, he's a really good grass court player. He obviously came through qualifying. He was very close to making the main draw direct acceptance. His ranking is still really good. Um, and, you know, you, you'd, you'd certainly give him a really good chance tomorrow the way he's playing. I mean, Manorino, it's difficult to know what to make of that match against Dan Evans first round because, you know, when you win a three-setter but you've lost the middle, the middle one set, six-love. And he was 5-2 down as well in the third and Evans probably feels that he should have got that one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, but Manorino is a very solid grass court player. I mean, it sort of feels like um, I actually don't know how old he is, but it feels like he's been playing this tournament for <laughs> at least the last decade. And and uh, he's a very solid grass court player. So you know, it's uh, it'll be an interesting one. I mean, that's last up on centre court tomorrow. Um, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who emerges from that to play Novak or Grigor in the quarterfinals. All still to come. Can't wait. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Now... As well as all the tennis that we've been watching, uh, we have had some pretty big name guests here watching. One of them included the former Prime Minister, tennis fan David Cameron, who caught up with Gigi Salmon. David, how has your day been so far at the Fever Tree Championships? Well, it's great to be here. It's a wonderful tournament. Always a good warm-up to Wimbledon as well, to see who's playing well. And uh, pleasure to watch Vavrinka and looking forward to Chilich. Now, when I did a search of David Cameron and tennis, a lot of images of you playing tennis came up. Well, that's right. I'm a keen player. Um, played since I was uh, less than 10, I think. Um, probably went to my first Wimbledon, watched uh, Nastasi and Connors. That really got me excited. I was a huge Becker fan, and one of my great privileges as Prime Minister was getting Boris Becker to checkers, and we played a charity game and I returned one of his serves, and I remember throwing my racket in the air, leaping over the net and hugging him because I was so excited. He told me afterwards it wasn't full speed, but I was pretty happy. I was wondering, what was Becker's reaction when you leapt over the net and gave him a hug? I think he's quite used to that sort of behaviour. He was very good. It was a charity game with uh, some people who had bid to play with us for charity, and uh, we, had a, we had a great match. It was good fun. What are the best courts you've ever played on? I love, actually, when you go abroad and you play on those clay courts that you don't really get here. I'm rubbish at it, actually, yes. on clay courts, but it's such fun, it's so different. So I enjoy that in, in Spain and places like that, where it's a totally different experience. You've mentioned a few players when you were growing up. Who is the standout one for you of the generation when you were starting to play tennis? Well, I'm a lefty, so uh, in one sense, anyway. Um, a left-hander, and I always loved watching McEnroe. Um, not the behaviour but I loved the, the way that he served, the way he played. I loved the style, and so he was a real... He was the one who inspired me when I was growing up. But more recently, I think Federer is just the most beautiful player to watch. Um, and, it, you know, I always want Andy Murray to win. Of course I do. Um, but there's something just uh, really lyrical about watching this man play tennis and I think the wonderful thing about tennis in normal life we have people to help us in our jobs but they have to problem solve on their own out there on the court well I think that's right I mean it is so much in the mind and I was just watching Vavrinka have five set points and lose them and then lose the set I would really struggle if that happened to me you know because you just you can't get it out of your head you keep going back to it so it's a very tough game, a lot of it in the head, and, and uh, that's why I think I'm a better doubles player. I like having someone else to blame. So if you're playing doubles and you're selling yourself to someone to play doubles with you, what would be the strengths of the Cameron game, and what would you need their strengths to be to counter the weaknesses? Well, I think, I think left-handers have an advantage because we're used to playing right-handers all the time, and uh, so I think there's a bit of an advantage there, so a bit of, bit of spin on the serve. Um, but getting increasingly slow around the court, 51, and uh, the knees are dodgy, the tennis elbow is terrible, the fitness levels aren't good, the, the weight's going up. Um, I need someone pretty young and fit to partner me these days. 
And you mentioned Andy Murray. He returned to competitive action here at Queen's. How wonderful is it to see him back playing? great. I mean, he's a fantastic player. He's also a great man. Uh, it was an honour. I got him to Downing Street after he won his uh, first Wimbledon trophy. And I remember we played a game in Downing Street and we put a ball through one of the chandeliers, which the um, staff weren't too keen about. But for me, it was an enormous honour. And, you know, what I think is so exciting is he has inspired so many young players in Britain. They watch that and they see what he's done. And that's going to be great for the game. So uh, it's, been, it's been an extraordinary thing in our lifetimes. You know, I mean, I, I'm a great fan of Andrew Castle and previous Britain number ones, but something Andy's done to, to win Wimbledon twice, to you know, perform at such a high level, is so inspiring. So um, let's hope he makes it all the way back. And now we're seeing our current British number one in, in Kyle Edmund, who seems to be handling things very well. Well, it's very exciting. As I say, I think, you know, these people have all been inspired by seeing British players at the very highest level. And, you know, if I think back to my childhood, there was... Roger Taylor, there was Tim Henman, there was, um, I'm trying to think who else, well, Andrew Castle. There were great players, but that seeing someone actually go all the way and win, I think that what that means to teenagers and rising players today, I think it must, it's a huge amount, because actually role models matter much more in life than perhaps we ever give them credit for. And finally, I might know the answer to this, because you already mentioned his name, but if I could have a prediction yeah, for a Wimbledon yeah. winner in a few weeks' time... I, I won't even go there because I will. It's called the curse of Cameron. If I if I do that, I will put a. But I I want uh, Andy to make a full comeback and a full recovery. And uh, great to see him playing yesterday. And um, you know he is a very determined man. I know that um, from his previous career. So uh, let's hope he makes it all the way. David, thank you for your time and enjoy the tennis. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Well, how about that? Finally, an interview in which we recorded with an outer microphone issue. How nice. So, Stephen, it's late at night now. It's after 11 o'clock. It's dark outside. The last orders have been called at the bar. I think you and I better go and uh, get our customary five-hour sleep and be back at it again for another day. What's the weather forecast like, by the way? Uh, For tomorrow, it's good. It's good. I mean, you know, we've been very lucky so far. And actually, I mean, touch wood, touch wood, touch wood, because we should never take it for granted. But you look at the weather forecast for tomorrow and the rest of the week, we're looking at 23, 24 degrees at the moment. Um, so, um, So we should be set fair, hopefully. Hopefully. But you and I, David, have both seen that the, rain, the, rain, that the weather can change very quickly here at the Queen's Club. So sure can. Let's not get carried away. All right. We'll try not to. Uh, Stephen's organised all the weather. He's organised the player field. That's going well. The grass is nice. Uh, the beer I'm drinking at the moment is quite nice as well. Um, but that's been the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with the Telegraph. And uh, yes, what was the answer I was going to give you? Was it because you've all missed me? Was it because I can't? Bear not hogging the limelight, or was it because some fool messed up the recording? It was probably all three. Uh, no, it was definitely C out of those. Sorry, everybody. Uh, it would have been a, a, an award-winning podcast. This one will have to do, though. I hope you've enjoyed it uh, as, as much as you could. And uh, we'll be back with another one tomorrow. We'll see you later. We've been brought to you in association with The Telegraph, with Melanie Bowes, our executive producer, with Triple S, with... Who else is there? There's TennisBalls.com. There's our... Ferret, our mascot, Charlie the Ferret, of course. And we'll be back tomorrow. See you then. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market